Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of Season 3 of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. You know, according to the statistics we get on Anchor, for the podcast, our listenership is 79% female. <laughs> and I know that I'm one of the guys that listens every week. <laughs> but to the other guys out there, happy Father's Day. Oh, yeah. Happy Father's Day. Belated. Yeah. But we celebrated this past weekend. We did. And I think that we had a nice get together dinner. I especially appreciated you saying, Joe, leave the cooking to me. <laughs> All you have to do is boil eggs for deviled eggs. That's not exactly how it went down. I would also say that I'm not certain that after my dad fried for two and a half hours, he would say it was easy. <laughs> Frying chicken's not easy. I had this idea, if my mom will cook the meat somehow, then I would do potato salad. I'm good at potato salad. Mm-hmm. I like making it, and I had just harvested the potatoes I've been talking about harvesting over the last few months. I came up with this idea and I suggested fried chicken. I mean, I don't cook a lot of meat. We've all talked about that. Salads and casseroles and stews. That's my like... That's your wheelhouse. Yeah. Got in touch with our friends at Turkey Hollow Farm and she ordered like five chickens and went to pick them up at the farmer's market and I went with her and she wanted to buy cucumbers so that she would have the good cucumbers and tomatoes and then she could use my onions and make... One of her favorite southern summer salads, the cucumber, tomato, onion. Mm-hmm. Um, she also wanted to make homemade ice cream. And I was like, I bet they'll have peaches. And they did. So she made homemade ice cream and got actual waffle cones, including the gluten-free waffle cone for me. <laughs> Good mother. Oh, yeah. I was kind of bummed out that my dad ended up standing for two and a half hours and, and yeah. frying chicken. But he kind of took control, as I understand it. My mom could truly tell you the story of how it went down. Her and I both, in this way, we have a heightened sense of anxiety when it comes down to like getting the thing that we've committed to accomplish. We're like, oh my God, now it's got now we've got to make fried chicken for all these people. And we, in fried chicken, you know, it's like... Planning the party is the easy part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and hosting it is easy. All I know is that I had to wash a huge six pounds of tiny of potatoes. potatoes. And they're real small. Why are yeah. you, why are your potatoes so small? Cuz I had given some to all of my larder people oh, okay. for the I'm year. So my family's all got several pounds, my restaurants all got several pounds, my mm-hmm. parents I gave them a bag with a bunch of we had already cooked some of them. So we were getting down to the end of them got and it. it was a lot of the little small purple ones and little red ones. It was a it's a nice variety. I so said was, I'm going to wash these but I'm not peeling them. Uh, they didn't need to be peeled. There I mean those tiny little potatoes anyways. But the potato salad was a huge success, but it was this ginormous bowl of potato salad. We made salad. enough for an army. The most fun part was I hung out with you in the kitchen while you made potato salad with no recipe at all. Oh yeah, that's the other thing about me is I don't use recipes. So that's the reason why I have to go to Joe to get the ingredients and then like, okay, and tell me how long should I cook it and how many pounds. Then I just get in there and I'm like a witch in a kitchen with a giant bowl cauldron and I'm just like stirring and stirring and and adding and stirring. So what did you put in those things? Because they were a hit. They were good. When you've got really good quality vegetables, Mm -hmm. 
You don't want to cover them up with mayonnaise and mustard. The vegetable's the star of your show. Yeah, and I had potatoes, of course. My celery. Mm. Oh, good, good, good celery, you guys. Uh, some of my onions, both red and yellow and white. Like we were able to put all colors of that in there. Um, we also, of course, use our own pickles and our own pickle relish. I like to use the pickle juice when I'm doing. That's what the kind of the liquid I like to use. I also mm-hmm. like to pull the pickled garlic out of the pickles and use that. Chopped up real fine. Yep. I used some of last season's pickle salt. Okay. That I made last year. And we used fresh dill in it, quite a bit of fresh dill in it. We used some of our own eggs, some of our own boiled eggs in it as well. I also am really getting very much into loving hot vinegar. So last year, when all of my little chili piquins and serranos and some of my hot peppers in the fall, when things start to pick back up again and Mm -hmm. like you have more hot peppers and you know what to do with, this is when we're making the Belizean sauce. This is when we're making hot sauce. I mean, we're just doing everything with it. So last year I took all the little chili pecans and some of those other hot peppers and I stuffed them in a jar and then I filled the jar all the way up with some good like white wine vinegar, red wine vinegar, really whatever wine vinegars we had in there. Mm-hmm. I used that for it and I filled it all the way up to the top and I let it sit in the refrigerator. So it's been in the refrigerator for like at least six months. Nice. And now I'm like pouring it into things things. and it's so good, you guys. And so I had you buy some new fresh vinegar for me to use because I've got hot pepper starting to come off again. Darling, there's an array of vinegars for you to choose from. I'm making up some of those for some of my larder households right now. But I put some of that into the potato salad because I do want a little pop of... It wasn't hot though, right? No. Okay. That's the thing about putting some heat in something. You don't have to make something hot in order for heat to be effective sure. in it. It's like putting the cayenne pepper in something. You a don't dash. really want to... Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. really want to taste... You don't want to be burned by cayenne, but you want to have that like spice to it. I always use mustard seeds... That's something I just like when we're making like deviled eggs, potato salad, anything like that. Not dry mustard seeds, the actual jar of mustard. Right. So I put that in there. I use yellow mustard and mayonnaise. So that's my like base, but I was really careful with the amount of that. That was just enough to get it nice and creamy and smooth. And Mm -hmm. I like the yellow mustard flavor. So I added a little bit more mustard powder even. I throw in whole black pepper. So the cracked black pepper, you know, so you can see the black pepper in it. Garlic powder just to enhance that, a little bit of onion powder to enhance that flavor. So I had dill relish. I actually also chopped up some big pieces of dill pickle. Normally, I like a really smooth potato salad, like a smooth yellow potato salad. But sometimes kind of a chunkier, especially when you're talking about these really small little potatoes, like what we were talking about with the peel on them. I didn't want them to be completely creamed into a total like Mush. mashed potato type of right. potato salad. Because then you did get to, when you took a bite of the potato salad, you would sometimes bite into an entire potato and you'd get the flavor of that potato. And mm-hmm. everybody was happy with it. It was funny because my sister-in-law's mom and dad came. They come to celebrate a lot of holidays with us. She was like, oh, potato salad is like one of my most favorite things to eat. And I said, okay, well, you have to give me, you know, your real opinion on it after it's done because I took a lot of time. I really like to make potato salad. Our neighbors from across the street came over, good friends. And he and I were at the end of the table talking about vacations. They go on cruises. Yeah, I'm not going on a cruise. I was going to ask you. No, no, thank you. What about an Alaskan cruise? They did that too. Um, I don't know. Like, I'd love to go to Alaska. And if that's the best answer to go to Alaska, right. 
then okay. But good. I mean, that's the that's the one that if I've ever said I would do any of them, that's the one. And it's actually like up the Alaskan. It's like the it's like up a river, right? right. Yeah, that's... I think, and it's a different kind of atmosphere than those Caribbean cruises. Yeah. And I listen. If you're a cruise goer, do what you want. <laughs> do what you want. But the way he was talking about it. He was less interested in the ports of call and more interested, you know, hanging by the pool of the cruise. I just would rather just fly to the port of call and hang out there. Yeah. Rather than see the Bahamas for one day in a very tourist concentrated area near the boat, I would want to get an Airbnb on the Bahamas and live a little local life for however long we're there. Yeah, exactly. I like to go to a place and stay in that place for a while. Lillian and my mom and I are going to Kauai in August. That's nice. And one of the things I like about Kauai is that it's this tiny little island and you can go from the top to the bottom of the island in like two hours mm-hmm. when you're when there's not some tr- a bunch of traffic or whatever. Yeah. Are you going to um, take Lily on the hiking trips that you went on when you were there last time? Yeah, we've been talking about that. That's the Nepali Coast um, hiking trail at the very top, at the very north end of the island. We've talked about it a lot because it's a challenging hike Mm -hmm. um there's a section of the hike that's like a two mile hike that gets into a beach it's not bad at all my mom can totally manage with no anxiety that part there's another two miles in which is a section of that is one of the hardest parts of the entire thing right but it gets you to this waterfall you've seen the pictures of me and Mm -hmm. the waterfall it's the most amazing waterfall i've ever seen the water is freezing cold but it's this really cool experience and i want to get lily in there so what we've decided we're going to do is we're going to go on that hike Mm -hmm. and it's a day-long hike we're going to hike in and hike out and halfway there we'll have to make a decision do we all go back can you pull out your book and hang out here on the beach we're going to be four more hours Mm -hmm. stay tuned ladies i know right late august you'll probably hear all about it so yeah. Father's Day, we had that corn salad that we discussed just two episodes ago. Mexican street corn. I'd like to try a different, not salad cold Mexican street corn recipe the next time we do that. Your mom's peach ice cream and a beautiful time together. A great family event. The food was delicious. And I look forward to more of those types of celebrations. Your birthday's coming up very soon. So I've put the call out already. It will be a party for the ages. The 50-year-olds? Shh. Unanswered questions. It turned out last week we didn't have any unanswered questions. Maybe that's because I was so like opinionated. I just told you how it was last week. (laughs) I'm not leaving anything unanswered. (laughs) I don't need to fact check anything. (laughs) No, do not look this up. Do not. (laughs) I got it in my head because I was just hanging out and we were about to record the podcast. I posted on social media. If you could ask us any question that we would answer on the podcast, what would you ask us? And we got some questions. Real quick. Yeah. Pam asked, how many hours a day do you spend tending the gardens? And I want to, before you answer, remind everybody that on your Facebook page, Aislinn Mm -hmm. Campbell, Mm -hmm. every Sunday morning you do a free 1030 a.m. Central Standard Time video where you give some tour or section tour of your gardens. Yes. I have answered this question recently. So I've actually thought about it. And I've talked about it a couple of times recently to some crowds. I might have even talked about it on my Sunday live I think recently. You did, yeah. I think it's very clear that when people see what you do, they say I can't do that. 
it would take too much time. Well, that's the thing. So when I tell people how many hours I spend in the garden, I don't want people to think that that's how many hours they have to spend in the garden to do what they're trying to do. Hmm. Because they might have one sixteenth, maybe, of the amount of garden space I have to tend. The total number of hours that I spend in the garden, give or take, is 25 to 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. That's seven days a week, two or three hours in the morning, two or three hours in the evening. Mm -hmm. Spread out over the week in my garden. That's how I do when it. When the temperatures aren't this brutal and you're coming in for the hottest part of the day, do you spend more time out there? No, not not necessarily. This is your yearly average. It's just, yes, exactly. It's just that it shifts. So when the cooler season comes, I don't get out until a little bit later because it starts to get warmer in the mid or middle part of the day. And then I might come in for just like a quick break to drink some water and then go back out again. This time of year... I try to get out as early as I can, which I really should be getting out earlier than I am, and be absolutely done by noon for sure. But usually I need to be noon, done even earlier than that if I can. And then I go back out, you know, around six o'clock in the evening, right. sometimes not even till seven o'clock in the evening and, and work till dark. Yeah. And I'm home by then and I've come in and maybe prep dinner if that's what we're doing that night. And then I've been trying to meet you outside around sunset, find you where you are. You need a GPS tracker mm -hmm. and we'll just spend some time enjoying what you've created. Mm. We've all created because I get a lot of help from other people too. What I am trying to do is develop my land to where the main focus of the time that I spend in the garden mm -hmm. is seeding and harvesting. Notice I didn't say weeding or pest control or fertilizing or even watering for that matter, even though I do water. And actually, I water all day, almost every day. It's just that I don't consider that a part of my hourly duties. I just go out there and move water around. Yeah. And that's, I don't consider that into the timing of the day. But I think this is a really important part because as I grow another garden, I'm not going to spend more than about 25 to 30 hours a week in the garden. So I have to increase the amount of garden space so that I can continue to increase the amount of quantity of variety in my production. Right. Then I have to figure out how to make my land take on some of its own work. In addition to that, I also have to come up with ways to get other people to be willing to support and help me out from time to time. And you'll get to some is... level of scale where you have to hire somebody. Well, yeah. And, that, and then that, that would turn it in from, then it would go from me having 25 to 30 hours a week to me having 25 to 30 hours a week and then me adding someone else with another 20 hours a week. You know, So now I'm up to 50 hours a week in my garden. But that's the conversation you're having. I think that the reason why I brought up the videos is that anyone can go see exactly what you're talking about. If you're doing, like you said earlier, a 16th or a big bunch of containers on your porch, yeah. then we're having a different conversation and you should totally do that. Yeah, I Put used some to food say... in the ground in your house. I used to say back at the learning garden when we would sign someone up to be like an apprentice or whatever, or I'd talk to people about how many hours they needed to spend in a, in a small garden. Right. Um, I would say about four hours a week. Another question posted on Facebook, Sandy asks... Is a cookbook still in the works? Yeah, and we just talked about that. Yeah, how, do we, how deep do we want to get into this? Your website is wonderful. So if we had a dinner table talk section, if you will, mm -hmm. where I began posting recipes. Yeah, so we've talked about this on the podcast. I mean, Sandy, clearly she is asking us about the cookbook because she's heard us talk about it. And what we do is we take recipes. We take several different kinds of recipes. We try out different recipes. And then we take our favorite parts of those recipes, 
with the idea that we're using things very seasonally mm -hmm. from the farm. So we're essentially creating our own recipes, but we actually have to write it down and call it a recipe in order for it to be a recipe. So all I see is work when we talk about this. And, you know, we, we stretch ourselves pretty thin already. But we have multiple fans now. Multiple fans asking, asking us for, for the this. recipes. Yeah. And what I'm doing now is posting them in the show notes or we're posting them on our different social media. And I'll say, and we altered it by doing this in the show notes. Turning that into a recipe and putting that up on our website. Yeah. That's going to be a slow project. Yeah. But it is one that we're committed to. We can just call it the dinner table cookbook on the website. That's where we'll start. So, Sandy, we're recommitting. Hang on. We're thinking about it a lot. It's coming. <laughs> For us doing the work sometimes, it's just planting the seeds That's inside right. our little keep brains. Keep watering it, Sandy. We're just going to keep, gonna keep talking about it. Okay. Yeah. Vicky, an anonymous Vicky, asks... <laughs> How come you never invite your neighbors over to eat all of this Dinner Table Talks food? Because you eat at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and we eat at like 9 o'clock at night. That's why. <laughs> well, we can send over leftovers. I can bring you leftovers at coffee the next day. She does cook for me most Monday nights. Return that I favor, just baby. go in. I just go in. I don't cook. Leftovers, I'm saying. Everyone's having potato salad? What? Yes. <laughs> We're having... Call the neighbors. <laughs> potato salad. What else do I make? Like, I don't even make chicken and dumplings anymore. I can make nachos. <laughs> We're having chalupas for the rest of our lives. <laughs> when we used to live out at the farm, it was just me and Cortland and Lily. Mm -hmm. This was, you know, right at the beginning of separation, divorce, and all those kinds of things. And I was out here by myself. There wasn't, my family wasn't here yet. It was just me in the double wide with my two kids. And we ate eggs and we ate nachos and chalupas, which is basically the same thing. Just, you know, that was what we ate. And Cortland will like swear up and down that that's all he can remember eating was, <laughs> I was like, well, mom didn't have nachos, a lot of cash. Nachos and, and chalupas are trauma. He, well, no, he doesn't call them trauma. He just, he's just like, that's all we ate. It was oh, like. That's funny. We ate a lot of eggs, and we ate chalupas and nachos. Hey, so anybody could go back to episode 2.18 and listen to Vietnamese New Year's Feast, I Want to Share My Magic With You. Oh, yeah. The kids were all here. Yep. And my mom went with us, and we went to Vietnam. We talked about how awesome they were about gluten-free once they knew about it. Yes, they were quite awesome. And that is the thing that I find at most Asian food restaurants you just communicate what you need and they're, they're good. They can pick things out. The, also, the other thing I, I've learned is that they cook their vegetables really good at Asian food restaurants. Like that place called Dao that we like to go to. Yeah. Oh, some of their like Asian When you say they cook vegetables. it right, the flavor, or are you also talking the consistency, Freshness. the mouthfeel? The, Everything. I'm with you. They're fresh tasting, delicious right. vegetables that are cooked well. We've got a chance to go back to Vietnam again the other night. It was that classic conversation we have Almost every Wednesday now, because you're coming into town to go to the farmer's market, we'll meet yes. up and then we'll go grab a snack, as we call it, which yeah. usually turns into cocktails and dinner. Yeah. But frankly, we're tired of the downtown offerings because how often can you go to the two or three places where there's all of that in one place, including the gluten-free? So I was had my Google out. I was like, let's look for a new place. Let's find some. Oh, hey, well, what about Vietnam? We talked about it back in episode 2.1a, but we haven't been in a long time. Well, first of all, my Wednesday was really awesome because we took... All of that leftover fried chicken from the five chickens that we had mm -hmm. that my dad spent two and a half hours on Father's Day frying. <laughs> and that ginormous bowl of potato salad. And I actually did have my Growing with Grace gardening. We talked about it last week's episode. It was great. Had several ladies out. 
once I closed that up for the day, I was pretty much done with my main gardening things for the day and was like, all right, I'm going to head into town and go to the farmer's market. But my friend is in town from Oregon. Yeah. She's from Corpus Christi, but she lives in Oregon mm -hmm. and she travels to Corpus Christi a couple times a year, usually in the summertime for several weeks and then usually in the holiday season. So she's in town and we've been trying to catch each other. We're going to meet up at the farmer's market. You're going to meet up with us at some point. Mm -hmm. She's brought over some of her friends, the friends that she kind of stays and hangs out with most of the time she's down here. They have a house on the island, but they rent that house most of the year to someone else, like winter Texans, that kind of thing. Right. And they live in Houston, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're leaving from the farmer's market. I'm able to hang out downtown. Where do you want to go? And of course, the first place kind of falling into the rut, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like, where should we go? Oh, we're going to go to the same place. We're going to go to the surf club. And I'm like, how about we go to Lucy's? And she's like, well, what's Lucy's? I don't even know what that is. It's called Lucy's Snack Bar. And she goes, can I get Prosecco there? And I go, yes, off the tap. You can get Prosecco off the tap. And then they have some little culinary and some olives and things like that. So we can just have a little snack and a little drink. And we'll just hang out there and then we'll get a feel for it. And I'll tell you about some of the other things going on. So we go down there. And they are just in love with Lucy's. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the cutest thing. We had no idea this was even here. And, oh, Prosecco. And ordered some charcuterie. And then we went outside. And it was a beautiful Wednesday night downtown, which, okay, I'm weekly taking credit for how awesome I am. But Wednesday downtown became an anchored night of the week because of the farmer's market. Right. We actively acted as an anchor for the downtown on Wednesdays in downtown Corpus Christi. And now you can see the thriving Wednesday night that is happening downtown because of this. So here we are at Lucy's sitting out on the little street bar thing that they've built up. And the downtown executive director, she's sitting over there uh -huh. with her group. And I've got these people in town that like own a house on the island, but actually live in Houston and then travel to Oregon, live in Oregon, travel, you know, I'm bringing them back to see Corpus Christi again, basically, or to see downtown again, Right. you know, we walk over to another place that they hadn't been to yet. Bus. Right. It's bus because they took the old Greyhound station that was in our downtown mm -hmm. that has since moved out to the airport area and converted it into a really great outdoor indoor bar. And as we're walking from Lucy's to the bus, mm -hmm. we walk through downtown and they are loving it. Still have boarded up buildings downtown, but at least they've got mural paintings on the front of them. And I said, yeah, you, that executive director, that downtown management district executive director that you just met... She's done this. I mean, this is her cleanup. The, the fact that these places are clean and don't smell like homeless urine. The, you know, the like, wrapped up trees with Christmas lights, lights at nighttime. This is all her pushing, her leadership, her network that she's created in order to ask people for what she needs to ask people for. She got a Main Street grant. Two weeks ago, we were down there for Art Walk and there was the mural festival going on. So there was all these new murals. I've got a really great picture that everyone really liked for my cover photo that is you in front beautiful of one of those mural yeah. dog and cone flowers and me and my dog down at Art Walk looking all artsy and mm -hmm. cute. And we had just such a great time. And here we are, we're, we're having frosés and they're just like loving the frosés, sitting in the bus stop, you know, cocktail lounge. Oh, we checked it out and you get there and I haven't eaten yet because I've intermittent fast and I know he hasn't eaten Let's walk over to Vietnam because we went to Vietnam just 
two weeks ago. Because mm-hmm. here we are trying to get out of the rut. Looking for somewhere different. I mean, there's a couple of things to think about. Number one, there's an issue with heat for me in the summertime. Because I'm outside in the heat all day long. And what I want to do when I go out, generally, is go sit in a air-conditioned, nice restaurant mm-hmm. or bar area that has craft cocktails. And some kind of gluten-free something. And some kind of food. Exactly. Gluten-free. Yeah. That food was fantastic. It's great. And that's the second time in two weeks we've been there. The drinks were fantastic. Great cocktails. You found the the spring rolls that had the rice paper that didn't have gluten in them. Yep. Shrimp, spring rolls, delicious. I didn't use the dipping sauce. Right. Because it's got soy sauce in it and... Everyone knows this whole travel through understanding what I'm actually allergic to has been a journey, but I think it's wheat gluten specifically. Right. We're having a lot more conversations about this now everywhere I go where people are asking me a lot of questions about, okay, well, what do you do if you're gluten-free? Right. You know, how do I eat pizza? It seems like a death sentence. I've gone to the grocery store. There are no products. What do I do? The gals that were here the other day for the Growing With Grace gardening thing we did where we had lunch... We are in our kitchen kind of prepping our meal together and we're having this conversation about gluten-free and I'm like, siete brand tortillas, siete brand corn tortilla chips. And then one of the ladies goes, I know, but pizza. And I go, oh, don't you worry. I open up the freezer. I pull out, look, you can get this at HEB. The you gluten-free know, like, pizza crust. Yeah, that we exactly. Because Mexican pizza, yeah. We've been on the journey. I mean, we've been doing this. We've been talking about it here. We've been, you know, doing this whole thing. So here we are. I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, what do I order this time? I make a comment to the waiter kind of about the gluten-free stuff and what I ate last time. And I said, I really liked that there was some eggplant and I guess it was like an eggplant roasted on any points out of vegetable dish. He said, that's a gluten-free vegetable dish. I said, it's all vegetables. Yes. I looked at the vegetable. Mm, Okay. I want that. So he brings me out vegetarian delight platter. That's what this is called spinach and you can tell it's like fresh spring like not overcooked spinach good looking spinach mm-hmm. broccoli that was cooked to perfection eggplant that was to die for tomatoes zucchini zucchini was excellent the sprouts tofu oh the tofu chunks of tofu that were just so perfectly fried yeah and fresh ginger and garlic and it was just such good food i got the seafood clay pot should it's, I have tried that? Yes, I told you we should have split that because I don't think soy sauce no, is your issue. No, we could not have split it. My food was so excellent well, yeah. that I would not have given it up. Well, then it went down perfectly. I got that clay pot that was rice at the bottom, slow cooked with shrimp, scallops, calamari, mushrooms, gingers, and scallions in a soy saucy sauce. They cook in that clay pot so the edges get a little crispy and mmm. Yeah, I'm glad that we found Vietnam. I don't want to go too, too local. But right now... Friends are in from out of town. We can go anywhere in the area. Yeah. What are the top three places we're taking them? Bellinos. Yes. Snoopy's, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Friends are in town. We're probably going to Snoopy's. That's a fried shrimp, the fried oysters. The thing about it is the challenging part about that is that nowadays I want to go to Doc's more than I want to go to Snoopy's, which that's because my diet has changed so much. Right. Snoopy's is so fantastic. Old school. Amazing. I guess Vietnam at this point. Has their stock risen up to like a top three, top four placing? It all depends on what you're doing. Like, what's the point? You know, because if you're bringing somebody to just a Corpus Christi experience, how do you leave the surf club out? You know what I mean? Okay, so so we're going out for a above average cuisine meal. It is Bellino's. It is probably Vietnam. 
But then we love YOLO. I was going to say YOLO because Yola, if, Yolo. If, if someone wants Mexican, that's where I would probably take them. Yes. If we're going out for a Tex-Mex greasy taqueria lunch, I wouldn't take them there. I've got a dozen places for that. At this point, would you choose Vietnam over BKK in terms if of I just... If I had to make a choice? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all about how much money we want to spend. That's a part of it, certainly. But I'm also... That's my so, diplomatic way of not answering about, the question. The thing about BKK is, is that we have so much experience with it. I think we got a little bit bored with it, and maybe that's a part of it, too. When we lived down is, the street from BKK, and that was one of three or four places that I could get takeout food because of gluten stuff, we got BKK a lot. So you might be onto something. If we went out to Dow, I'm going to order $26 oh, worth of vegetables right. cooked Asian style. That are really so we might as well go to Vietnam that's right here in downtown and buy me a plate of $26 worth of sautéed. That's how much it costs for a plate of sautéed vegetables at Vietnam, by the way. But okay, it was so good. Let's not go on because I don't want to ma- leave anybody out accidentally. Well, there's definitely a lot of places that are going to be left off that list because mm. there's a lot of good places to eat. And we always find new places, but... The fact of the matter is, is that downtown's easy for us. We're going to be looking. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We're going to be looking for a cocktail. We're going to be looking for something that's a little bit finer dining because of my special diet stuff. However, I think it's really important that A, you listen to other people talking about other places that have good dietary things like us talking about some of the things we've talked about over the last couple of weeks with different chefs that are doing special diet needs. Because our friend Debbie Noble, that is the queen of everything new going on in downtown Mm -hmm. and on the island, told me we had to go to a place called Guajillos. And she said it's because they're very particular about the fact that they are gluten-free. And they are also like true Mexican food. I want to say like Monterey style, but true Mexican food was the important part of it. Mex without the Tex. They're not going for that Tex-Mex thing that you get all over town. Actually, when Lisa was down here the last time, she had mentioned it several times, but I didn't understand exactly what she was talking about mm-hmm. or whatever. So last night when we finished up at Vietnam, Lisa and I came up with this idea that we would all meet up at the beach. Now, they live on the island and they stay on the island when they're here. So they're out at the beach at like 6.30 a.m., like walking the beach and swimming and all of that. When I said, what time do you want me to be there? And she said 6.30, I was like, come on. I'm not, yeah, like, I've got to do chores. I got to drink coffee, you know, like, so I got there at 10, 10 and we swam. I swam this morning, pulled up on the beach. They showed up, went right straight out in the water. It was magical. I'm not even kidding you. It was perfect. The temperature of the water was perfect. The air was perfect. The waves we're perfect. I said, what are we going to do about your trick knee? Do you need to go to the chiropractor? You said, no, I need to go get in the salt water. Oh, that's exactly what I had just said. Like I had called on it. I need to go into the salt water. Everything about it. I'm a freaking coastal bunny. Yeah. I live on the coast. I swim in the salt water. I need more of it in my life. I don't know why I don't make myself go out there more than I do. We went out to the beach a few nights ago to watch the moon rise. Yes. Because it was the full yeah. moon. So it's so easy for us to go to the beach. Yeah, we need to get out there more often. Me swimming is so important. Swimming in that salt water. I'm telling you though, those waves, those perfect waves that you can body surf. Mm-hmm. That like if you if you know how to body surf, yeah. you can body surf the waves. They're that good. There was such nice big sets that would roll through. And then it would get in that nice, perfect rocking where it wouldn't be waving anymore. It would just be doing these big rocks and you could just float. And because, you know, your body's floating above salt, like nice, salty water. So you've got a good float going on. 
it felt so good, good to be you got out a good there. Float going on. I got a good float going on, and Lisa and I kind of hung out and we talked. And I've been having this building up of resentment for Corpus Christi, and resentment is the word that I came up to after just kind of talking some things out with some folks. Two weeks ago at Art Walk, we're walking around. Yeah, you've mentioned it a couple of times on here. Yeah, we're, we're down through. there and we're walking around and I'm just like, man, it's just the same people doing the same things. And so I kind of needed the reminders. The same resistance to the same innovation. Yeah, I needed the reminders of how beautiful our water is. And I needed the reminders of how much other people love being where we are because we've got the salt water and the beach and the air is nice. And in a great downtown, clearly we're talking about has yeah. all the great restaurant options that we look for. Yeah. Yeah. So much fun to do. And just from a different perspective, props to all the cool things that lots of people are doing in Corpus Christi, including me, of course, because Lisa was here during the main development of the learning garden and the farmer's market and farm to table dinners. And I mean, she was a part of those because she was, living in Corpus Christi for a big chunk there for several years. You just gave props to yourself. I give myself props all the time. Like you have to. Props. And this is the thing. I actually looked up the word resentment today because you know that a huge part of me is freedom requires responsibility. Sovereign rights is about free will and responsibility and not just freedoms, but you're free to make any choices you want to, but you have to hold yourself responsible for any of the choices you make. All of those things, talking about that, it leads me back to this victim concept of being apathetic, of being in lack mindset, which is, there's a large section of the community of Corpus Christi that just is apathetic. And there's not really, I'm not sure there's anything anyone can do to change that, but it's so hard on me. I get so resentful and I keep saying resentful and I keep saying victim because If you look up the definition of resentful, it is a victim standpoint. Yeah. That is literally what resentment is. It's like holding something that someone else made you feel. And so that's not anything I want to hold on to or be. You spend a lot of time when you're a service oriented, like service heart type of personality, Mm -hmm. you give and give and give. And then all of a sudden you're like, nobody here even cares that I've given So I'm just going to like go off into the country and just be by myself. But that doesn't really work for me because I like people and I like, I like people watching and I like being in the vibration of people and I like meeting new people and I like having conversations that lead to life and wellness and all of those types of things. And so I've been having to come to sorts with my anger at Corpus Christi, which is a big deal because Anyone that knows you or I knows that we are like the eternal optimists for Corpus Christi. We are champions of Corpus Christi. When I met you, I called you Mr. Corpus Christi for years. Not so much anymore, but even still just recently, I'm taking Mr. Corpus Christi to Taft. You know, we want everyone to know all the fantastic things that are happening down in our community. But then after several weeks of having these kind of hard look conversations with myself internally, how I feel. Was that just identifying a feeling that you didn't enjoy having? Yes. Or just being willing to admit that like, I'm feeling kind of jaded and angry and resentful. And what is it? Why? You know? Because you want to excise those feelings, I'm assuming. 
That's the well, reason for the exploration. No, you can't. You can't just excise the feelings. It's no, not the about the exploration helps you come to understanding help, why you're having them. Explanation just helps you become aware that you're having them, and then you're not trying to excise them. You're trying to just accept them. Okay. You're trying to be in acceptance. And I've said this before. There's got to be a reason why strong leader type personalities who are going to go back and forth for their love for a community. But at the end of the day, we're the ones that will kiss the ground goodbye if it has to go, right? I was telling Lisa today as we we're out there floating in the water and she's giving me some of her appreciation of Corpus Christi because she comes to Corpus Christi, she comes to Texas and she's like, I'm back in the motherland. You know, she's oh, like, sure. which is funny because she lives in Oregon where everybody's just, like, grass you know. grass is always greener. I mean, I would always ask the people that I met from Colorado, you must ski all the time now. We never ski. How could you not... It's the same concept, isn't it? That yes. it's, it's around me every day. Yes. So I begin to take it for granted. I begin to, to just think it's the same old, same old. Yeah, and it helped me remember that when Hurricane Harvey was coming through and we thought Corpus Christi was going to be gone, which it ended up being Rockport and Port Aransas that really got the, yeah. the hit down here. 20, 30 miles north of us. But we were, we were coming out here toward the farm so that we could be in our hurricane shelter, Hunker basically. Down, yeah. And when I left driving out with my car loaded with the most important things, seeds, my medicine cabinet, you know, very important documents in our computers. And our chickens. Yeah. And our, and our chickens, of course, they were day old chickens. They were babies. I remember like crying and kissing, like, I love you. And like praying. And if I don't see you ever looking like this again, I love you just Mm -hmm. the way you are, right? Just the way you are. I love you. And it's, and I remember that and I was in 2017, right? So it's been that many years now, this many years later, and now it's a passion. I think it's a passion for where I'm from and it's a passion for people coming here and saying, you know, this town is got its own character. And I think that what I haven't done is really connected with where we've come to today, where we are right now. We're in the present. Where is Corpus Christi at right now? Where is the Coastal Bend at? Where is downtown Corpus Christi at? Where's Padre Island at? And it's coming together in this very unique kind of like when Austin was at its crowning, most awesome, amazing development time Mm -hmm. when everybody wanted to be in Austin because it was... There was so much right. cool stuff to do and see. And yes, everybody wants to be in Austin now, literally. Everybody wants to be in Austin, which is not literally the truth because I don't want to be in Austin. Now it's like a it's like a piling on of the exact same like fraudulent, weird. It's not what it was when it started, but Corpus Christi has that vibe right now. And we always kind of called ourselves beach bums. So I want to take the bum out of it and just be like, it's this beach vibe and it's us and it's unique. And one of the things about going out to the island today was that here I am on the island, my friends, we've gone to the beach, done that. Now it's time where I can go and grab some lunch. And so I remembered that my friend had told me about this place, Guajillos. I'm like, all right, gluten-free Mexican food. I'm going to go check it out. And this is perfect because you and I, when we were out there the other night, we had tried to check it out, but all they had in terms of drinks or cocktails or whatever was just beer. Yeah. And I don't drink that. 
And so I said, okay, well, let's go to the other place. And uh, we were very happy with the other place we went to. We went and ate at Rock and Roll Sushi. Rock and Roll and Sushi. It was good. Slow dine. It was great. It was fun. Yeah. So I go in and I sit down. It's Fernando and Anna. So she brings out salsa and a basket of chips. Uh-huh. I can't 100% tell that those are like the basic corn chips that I'm used to eating. So I wait a few minutes. I ask her, are these corn? Do they have any wheat in them? And she said, no, gluten-free, oh, 100%. Uh-huh. Like, oh, great. I said, okay. So I start looking at the menu. And I'm looking up and down the menu. Mole and chicken verde enchiladas and cactus salad and tortilla soup and... Sopa Azteca, which I really don't even know what that is, but it looked looked amazing. Whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. So during the time when I'm trying to decide what I want, he comes over and I ask him if he knows Debbie. I start kind of describing who she is. He's like, yes, 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 yes. And I said, okay, she told me to come here because I'm usually mostly vegetarian, no wheat, gluten-free. But I've been told by several people that you've got to come to this restaurant. I've heard that it's really good. He says, we can do anything vegetarian. He says, everything gluten-free. You do not have to worry about that. He said, also, I do not use the bad oils. I do not use any. We use only oils for frying our chips. This is amazing. This is not a conversation that we get very often down here. But it's also, this is my point that I was trying to make. It's this uniqueness. It's these boutique restaurants. It's these little tiny pop-up things that not a lot of people know about yet. They really rely on word of mouth. Yes, exactly. But the word of mouth is good because once they get you in there, you're like family and you're like spending money and you're like giving big tips and you're like, you know, because you, you appreciate how hard they're working in this small, tiny little restaurant to bring five tables at lunch. To be way showers. Yes. So I notice on the menu, they have birria. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. B-I-R-R-I-A. Lamb soup. And it says that it's a boneless lamb, slow cooked and rich mulatto broth. Served with side of onion, cilantro, and corn tortillas. What's mulata sauce? Right. It's basically when you leave a pepper on the vine long enough to where it basically ripens completely and starts to char and roast on the plant still in the sun, basically. To be mulatto chilies. Exactly. And I love poblano. I love poblano anything. We're aware. There's this ginormous bowl that comes out to me. And as soon as... Fernando brings me the bowl out. I look down at it and I look back at him and I'm like, well, my partner just asked me if I would buy him an extra bowl of soup and I, I don't need to buy extra because I have plenty of, he goes, oh, you could eat this for dinner and breakfast tomorrow too. You know, <laughs> You're like texting me the entire day. I just floated in the ocean. Uh-huh. Mm. I'm yeah. going to go shopping. And... I did buy a few things for Hawaii. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go to that restaurant that we almost went to. I'm ordering lamb soup. Like, listen, hold on a second. <laughs> if you're ordering lamb soup and it's really good, bring me home a to-go portion. Then he came over and then he wanted to chat with me. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to do a video. I'm going to talk about this. I said, this is really important. I said, because there's a couple of things going on here. One, people are looking for people that understand and cook specifically gluten-free. Not just, oh yeah, it's corn or rice. It's Our menu has 100 items on it and two have a GF by them. We have no idea what gluten-free even means mm-hmm. and we're telling you things are gluten-free. You have to guess. You're probably going to leave here with heartburn or diarrhea. Sorry, we did the best we could. No, they're like, our restaurant is gluten-free and lamb. And I said, lamb has become a big deal. Certain people are looking for lamb now. Like yesterday at the farmer's market, the farmer was sure to tell me we've got lamb. 
she's like, I kind of had a bunch of people calling me and asking for lamb. I was like, yeah, I heard Joe was getting lamb. You'll love this. He goes, and you wouldn't even believe it, the price of lamb right now. And I yeah. was like, let me tell you who you're talking to right now. I 100% believe it because we just had a goat roast <laughs> at Easter and we were blown we had to away take out a small loan. at the cost to purchase goat, lamb, you know, whatever. Joe, I brought home the leftovers. I can't wait to dive in. It's so freaking good. This soup is so good that it is worth a drive OTB, man, over the bridge. You go to the island just for this berilla, this here's lamb my first, soup. It's here's my so first and only good. question. You do not order meat in restaurants. No. But what I, was the decision-making process no, here? This you, blew my mind a little bit, I'll be honest. No, you're lying. You haven't been paying attention because I always eat a, a Goatland Vindaloo. Okay. So mutton yeah. you'll do in a restaurant. And the reason is because they're not processing in America, in Texas, enough goat and sheep to make me feel like I'm looking at CAFOs. Now... Is it solely the way I would feel, like, humanely well-fed, all of that? No. But I'm not eating it enough for mm-hmm. me to worry too, too much about That's it. That's a place where you'll slip. It's like fish. I kind of just try not to think about it. However, it's swale or it's cod or it's, you know... Tilapia. Tilapia, you know. I, Those are the ones we avoid, certainly. Right. But goat in South Texas and him even saying, and the price of goat, like he's probably getting his goat pretty local, honestly. That's my guess about the whole situation. Even if that's my fantasy I've made up in my head, Uh I ate (laughs) that lamb soup and it was fantastic. We got friendly, Fernando and I did. He came over and he looked at my bowl and he goes, did you notice that there's not a lot of glops of oil and grease and stuff on the top of the soup? And I was like, yes. And he was like, look how clean my kitchen is. (laughs) Like he was so proud of his restaurant and it was truly authentic. In my opinion, that is the epitome of going to a Texas near the border coastal town on an island and getting Mexican food like that just after you came off the beach from floating in the salt water. That's Mexican border Texas right there. That's where I live. That's I want more of that in my life. Just having one of those truly amazing Corpus Christi staycation days. I should have done it three months ago before I got to the point where I was like, Corpus Christi, you know. If it takes your friends, tourists coming to town to do it, do it. Because you owe it to yourself to remember how much you love where you're from. And if you don't love where you're from, take this as God telling you it's time to go somewhere you love where you live. Right. And what I love now is that I can come out here to the farm, work on some new and interesting seed planting out here in my own farm space, but then go back over there again and run into Fernando and Anna and... Zelina and Dana and Jessica, all of these other amazing people that are putting together these great restaurants and we're trying to figure it out. Supporting the places places that we like the best with our patronage. And telling people about it. That's right. And the thing is, is that I've gotten past the point of me just saying, oh, oh, I'm going to talk about you to the point of where they're saying to me, please tell your friends because this is how we do it. What a mouth. This is how we do it. We're going to go and tell the other people that are looking for special diet places. That's right. We're going to go. Folks that have risen above apathy. Find those folks and make them aware of these 
exciting places all over town. It just reminds you how great it is to be here. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? I'm bringing the random question of the week to the table. This is my question that I made up. Okay. The friends we hung out with last night uh-huh. are going to come out to the farm, and I told them I'd cook for them. Mm-hmm. Ever since I said that, I've been trying to think of the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. If we're having friends over for a meal, what's our go-to meal? Hamburgers. Is that what we should do when they come over? No. Well, then it's a hybrid. What are we going to cook for our friends next week as one of a couple of go-to meals that we cook? Because we know that we love those dishes and everyone does. I think when it comes to like basics, it's like tacos. Make some tacos? Yeah, because no matter what, you know, we can use all kinds of delicious different meats. We can use whatever vegetables I have. I think your standards are your basic foods. Pizza, hamburgers, tacos. Oh, then what about some pulled pork tacos? Possibly, yeah. What do you think the answer to the question is? I've been racking my brain trying to figure that out. It's not the macaroni and cheese thing that we do. I think I kind of hate the rule that like, what's the one thing we would, I'm like, I Well, then no. let's shift the conversation into with our friends coming over this week. The one thing is, it's going to be something that week. came out of the garden and okay. something that came from a local farmer. That's the one thing we're going to do. I got a good float going on. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs>